Hello, and welcome to Ladyfingers. The single gayest podcast about Great British Bake Off on the internet and the world at large. I'm Gabriel Coleman. And I'm Cole Stephenson. And Cole, you have a very serious and important update to start us off with today. So basically, two things happened to me on TikTok that I'm very excited about. Uh, Number one, I hit 10,000 followers, which is a huge goal that I had. And I didn't know that I was going to be able to meet it this year. And I fucking did. And then two, if you remember from last episode, we talked a lot about, does Freya have a TikTok? Who has a TikTok? Let's find the TikTok. Oh, baby, I found the TikToks. I found Freya's. I found Lizzie's. And then I want you to take a guess. There's one other person, at least who I found, who is probably the best at TikTok out of the bunch. Any ideas who that might be? Are they still in the game? Yes. Um, is it George? It's Christelle. Christelle. Oh, good for her. Let me tell you, she read a book or she's been watching social media, like strategy videos or something. She's got that shit on lock. She's gonna, she's gonna blow up. I can feel it. I mean, I know she brings, she brings like parental energy, but... She's fairly young. She's fairly hip. The the kind of TikToker that you always want to be, very put together, you know, has her stuff. She's doing the trends, but she's also doing like little baking instruction videos. Christelle is killing it out there. Cute. And so I posted a video where I assigned each of the contestants of Bake Off to like have a certain weapon. Like if they were all to fight to the death, what weapon would they have? You may not realize, but Cole is a viral internet sensation. You know, I I would have balked at that at one point, but um, I'm doing numbers. The comedic (laughs) wit that you hear on this podcast pales in comparison to not only your PowerPoint skills in performance, but your TikToking, lip syncing, pointing to text in corners, all of those. I made this, I made the video about the weapons and not only did Lizzie see it, she also said that she shared it in the group chat of all of the contestants george having brass knuckles because he's bald i love this i love this i didn't explain myself any more than why bald people have brass knuckles and i don't know that i need to i mean i mean not only are these bakers real people with real lives and real struggles they also have real social media accounts where they're making things and interacting with the fans absolutely speaking of george's brass knuckles baking style let's talk about the signature so this week was um dessert week which is always the week that i'm like i would not eat any of this yeah a a lot of meringue puddings and jellies and meringues it's just a lot so their their signature bake was a pavlova which is basically a big meringue cake um meringue is, is sweet whipped egg whites um filled with different jellies and mousses and creams and cakes and and lots of of fun little additions um this is one of those like bake-off desserts that if you brought it to a party i feel like your friends would have like one little piece and then not a lot more of who stood out to you who are your favorites i know that they freya's like the taste of it wasn't all the way there maybe but it was really beautiful to look at girl has an eye for making something look really pretty she did this really nice piping with this reddish orangish like swirl mixed in obviously we have to talk about chigs 
receiving the second handshake of the season. He made a mango passion fruit chocolate a pavlova. It looked so classy and beautiful and expensive. It was very tall as well. Like I know a lot of the bakers went with a little shorter, flatter pavlovas just because it it's really difficult to get it to stand up so high. Yeah. And his was like very substantially tall. And it didn't crack at all. One that did crack, of course, is George's, yeah. which George is so interesting because he kind of I think I've said this before, but he will purposefully fly in the face of convention. He really thinks he knows what's going on over here. And it already cracked a lot, if we're being totally honest here. Just even in the oven, it had some pretty big cracks. And he's like, oh, no, I'm not going to do the thing that literally every other person in the show is doing. And just keep it in there. Keep it very cool. Nope, I'm going to take it out, throw it in the proving drawer, and like... Well, and the fact that, like, when he put it in the proving drawer, he even kind of, like, slammed the drawer closed. I'm like, oh, George, come on. But, I mean, it does, I think it it makes him a bit of a, a tempest, I guess. He's a little chaotic, but it has worked to his favor in certain times. Like, I know when he did the focaccia, he, like, was like, I'm not going to add so much water because I don't think it needs it. Even though everyone was like, you've got to add, it's got to be so wet. But they ended up really liking his focaccia for that. Yeah, totally. With the koala that he made, not a lot of people were nearly as daring as he was, and it was really impressive. Like, he's not someone who plays it safe. He's like, I'm going to punch through, and if it works, it it's going to work really well. I think it's very, it's cool to watch. Like, obviously, it's great TV. Oh, of course. <laughs> to be oh, like, what's George going to do this episode? But um, yeah, he's, he's cool. I think, honestly, Jurgen is a little bit similar in that he has, like huge huge ideas most of the time i would say they work out and sometimes they fall flat but in yeah. this case of the of the passover of pavlova which i just thought was so cute he made like matzah coated in chocolate in the shape of the pyramids and then had this date and orange paste that i guess is important in in jewish cuisine and like this was one of those cases where prue was like I don't know, the mm-hmm. the sweetness of the meringue with the sweetness of the dates might be overwhelming. Um, and he was like, well, I'm doing it because it's, you know, it's the traditional food and we got to we gotta do it right. And sure enough, Prue ended up really liking it. And there was enough yeah. citrus in those oranges to like cut through in a really pleasant way, which is very cool. Yeah, well, it was really interesting. It was dates and then whole orange peels, just like, Pith mm-hmm. and all just chunked up and thrown in there, which I think is exactly what you need. It has that nice sourness, that nice bitterness to cut through the dates. But also I think date sweetness has like a little bit more richness to it. It's not like just sugar, you know? But yeah, I, I liked his bake a lot. I thought it was really cool. It was really sweet. You know, it talks about his wife and converting to Judaism and, you know, throwing in something that was really special to him. And it worked. Can we talk about Lizzie's? I know it didn't go over super, super well, at least like visually with the judges. But she made an Easter pavlova that was that was purple, the meringue, with this like green grass in the middle that was rosemary and lemon. Ooh, that sounds so good. It just felt really cool. Lizzie's bakes don't all always look the most put together, but she really punches through with flavors and with like visuals even if they're not the neatest visuals they're like at least cool she has like a perspective 
uh, speaking as a as a, somebody who's Lizzie's close personal friend, I do have to say like that they do, all they of those surprise me and they are her. She said that she chose not to all of us who are being known for her. That is we definitely talk to each other all the time. Um, Chris tells I loved. She's always got a good family story that this is the Pam Lova. Paul, who I guess is a big fan of Key Lime Pie, really liked it. And especially for a Pavlova, Key Lime Pie just makes so much sense to me because a lot of the time on the fancy ones, you'll have like toasted marshmallowy type thing on top. So I feel like it's right there. All of the pieces are there, just rearranged in a slightly different order. I'm pulling for Christelle to get a handshake because with her focaccia as well, with the roasted grapes, I thought like she got such, such high praise for it. But then she doesn't get the recognition and I hope that she gets it soon. I agree. I, I think so. I think the the technical challenges are, are really slipping her up and it's holding her back. I hope that as she keeps going on in the tent, she can like stay strong you know and 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 rally there because she's just killing it every single time on these other challenges i can't i can't think of something that went majorly wrong once on a non-technical challenge and Giuseppe had the the peaches and coconut beach memory sounded good you know we love a tropical flavor i love peaches one of my favorite fruits yeah it was cute i liked his little story about um being on the beach and having someone Coming along, selling coconuts, being like, Coco Bella. I think Giuseppe is doing what Maggie thinks she's doing. Yeah. Maggie, you know, again, she brought up in this event, this this whole concept of, well, I'm just going to do the by the books traditional thing. And that's going to be good enough because traditional means best, right? Traditional means tried and true. Everybody knows what's going on. You got to put some zhuzh in it. Like, they're not asking for, like, the basic default settings one that you'd get at a bakery. Yeah. You got you to gotta put your spin on it. Yeah. It's called a signature. You got to put your own signature on it, you know? Like, even Giuseppe's classic flavors, they're all very, like, classic Italian. They're from his family, from his childhood. They, they go in one direction. Yeah. And they're, like... They're classic, they're traditional, but there's a story behind them. Yeah. There's a reason why these specific flavors are going yeah. on. She had this very traditional mixed berry sort of thing. It just looked homey. I think the flavors were not anything exciting or new to write home about, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think the bake on the actual meringue was not good. Like the texture cutting through, it was a little too, I think, stiff. And then Amanda did a heart-shaped pavlova with chocolate and raspberry. Cute, classic flavor combos, you know. But they said it was too chocolatey, which is a concept not familiar to me or my family, but I suppose that it's possible. Yeah, with the sweetness of the meringue, I think you really need quite a bit of raspberry to cut through it. And so yeah. if it's just a hint of raspberry and mostly chocolate, then it's just going to be too, too sweet. And then the texture of, of the chocolate with the meringue is going to be a little gummy. And I can see why they said this. Lavender Lamborghini, roll up in a blue bikini. Bitches on the beaches looking super cute and freaky. All my friends are princesses, we keep it wet and creamy. Ice cubes on our tongues because we like to keep it freezy. Lavender Lamborghini, get on the road.
so for this technical challenge, um, the bakers were tasked with uh, making a sticky toffee pudding, which is a little sticky um, sweet cake with twills and a creme anglaise and sticky toffee sauce all in 90 minutes, which is... Yeah, so much. Oh my gosh. It takes me 90 minutes to just preheat the oven. Seriously. The pressure was really on this time, which I think led to quite a few gaffes. Most notably, Maggie forgetting to add flour to her sticky toffee puddings, resulting in just like a burned, sugary, eggy mess. Those look like uh, boogers that you snot out onto a napkin when you're having a cold. It would be easy to be like, oh, Maggie, she's so stupid. How could she have forgotten? But like, no, with this, with the kind of pressure that bakers are under doing something like that and like just missing because I guess the flour was on the next page of the recipe. Yeah, like it was listing out all the things and then the flour was like cut off and on the next page. And so she missed it or something. Yeah. yeah. And you could see her going back and forth. She was like, is there not flour in this? The technical, it's not only a difficult recipe to do in time, it really puts your brain through a... Because you're you're given so little of anything on these recipes. Like, it's single words per line and stuff like that. And for this one in particular, you have four different elements that you need to coordinate and time out all at once. And can I just say, I don't know if you've ever tried to, like, make caramel before, make caramel, which I think is kind of what the base of the, the toffee sauce is. It is so hard. Oh my god. I literally, I've tried it maybe a couple times. I've never once come even close to what those people were putting out there. It chunks up like crazy. I have no idea how to control the temperature. More water, less water. Who could say? It, it is so hard to make any kind of burnt sugar caramely type thing. There are like all these little things like you have to use the pastry brush to get the sugar off the sides. You have to make sure to catch it just as it's turning so it doesn't burn. It's just like... It's one of those things that it does absolutely nothing and you just stare at it. It's like, well, sugar's kind of clumping up and then all of a sudden, go, 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 go. Now is the time. Now is your moment. Yeah. Oh, wait, too long. You fucked it up. Now it's burned. It's disgusting and you're bad at baking. Like there's no in between when it comes to caramel. The instructions on this one, I think specifically were to make a wet caramel, which like... Yes. What does that mean? (laughs) Pretty much everybody's, except for, like, Lizzie's and Jurgen's, had, like, one thing wrong that they could each point yeah. to. Like, the texture was wrong on a lot of them. A lot of the caramel sauce was, like, a little seized up or thick or something like that. But the tweels in particular, nearly everybody nailed the tweels, and those are really hard. And then Freya, this is, you know, the second installment of Freya's difficulty with Egg Week. Freya is not doing vegan baking for the technical challenge. She's doing the same thing as everyone else. And so this was the first time she had made a a creme anglaise with actual eggs. Seriously. Like, she had a tough time this week, but I think she performed very well overall, given that everything was so much harder for her this week. She did her best, given the circumstances, and... To just not be familiar with eggs, to not work with eggs as part of your normal arsenal, that's going to put you behind in the technical sometimes. I think when Paul was judging, he called Maggie's a feral disaster, which was another really fun phrase that I pulled. I'm really appreciating the 
the poetic nature of him destroying all of these. So overall, we had Maggie's came in last, then Amanda above her in eighth, George's in seventh, Freya in sixth, Christelle in fifth, which you saw her little fist because this is the first technical where she's like not been on the bottom. We'll take it. Giuseppe came in fourth, Chiggs in third, Lizzie in second, and Jurgen in first. I think it's another... It's another strong week for for Lizzie, which I think is cool to see. Yeah, Lizzie, Lizzie's really really keeping up with the pace there. She she seems to know her way around a technical. I think she also got second place last week, if I'm remembering mm-hmm. that right. She did. She's keeping up. Watch out, folks. Watch out, Lizzie, my best friend, is uh, coming for you. Yes. Shall we have a fun food fact? Do you got anything? Yes. So I would love to talk about something that has shown up in this episode as well as others. In Freya's baking, which is aquafaba. Aquafaba. This is what Freya uses and what vegan bakers will use to substitute eggs. Like the reason her meringue was a little softer um, is because she's not using eggs. She's using aquafaba, which is generally the, the cooking juice of chickpeas. So if you open a can of chickpeas and you take the chickpeas out, then the liquid left over is aquafaba. Which is so amazing to me because I eat chickpeas all the time and I just dump it down the sink. Yeah. But I could have been making a beautiful, a beautiful meringue, meringue dessert for my friends. Yeah, yeah. So I think the reason why you could make like aquafaba from any bean, um, but I think the reason chickpeas are used is because they are fairly neutral in flavor. Mm. So they won't impart the same flavor that you would get from like a pinto bean. And the reason they behave like eggs is because beans are high in protein. And so when you cook uh, beans, the little the little protein strands will get infused a little bit into the water. And so it will behave kind of like the proteins in an egg mm. where they can develop. That's cool. All these little networks. Yeah, I was I was amazed that a vegan product could do that, honestly, because it looked visually exactly like meringue as far as I could tell. Maybe a little bit thinner, softer or something. But I really could not tell visually that hers was that different from the rest of them. And then my other fact is that the reason why aquafaba is in just cans of chickpeas is that when you get a can of beans, the beans are actually cooked in that can. I actually looked up with Martha Stewart. She describes the the process. Canned beans are blanched, then sealed in cans with water and salt before being cooked at high heat under steam pressure. The result is ready-to-eat beans that will serve you well in practically any dish. Thanks, Martha. So interesting byproduct of of just like the industrial food system that like in order to eliminate a step in the canning of beans, they're cooked in the can. I never would have thought of that before that like, that's cool. Aquafaba, give it a try. Aquafaba. showstopper was a jaconde empreme it is this layered cake situation which has different layers of like creams and curds and then i think some sponge layers and then a collar of 
I believe a jaconde is the name of like the sponge that goes around it. And it's like a cake made with almond flour and it's highly decorated. It's like a very fancy showstoppery kind of thing. And you want like a design or something on this cake collar that goes on the outside of the dish. It looks pretty good. Um, I love like a fancy whipped cream sort of moment, like any, all of, all of, all of those kind of fillings. I really like that stuff. So it made me really hungry. Yeah. It looks very tasty. I would have eaten this one certainly. Um, yeah. And the imprimé is, that's French for imprinted. So that's what that means. It's like the design is imprinted into the Jacon sponge. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's a really fun technique of you pipe down the design and then you layer the batter over the top and then it impresses and it stays there and you flip it over and it has this like beautiful little painting on it. Speaking of Freya, I loved in the opening shot seeing like the block of tofu at her station. I was like, she's going for it. She's doing the vegan baking. Hell yeah. I think my favorite was Christelle's. Just the fact that she called it yeah. una piña colada, por favor, like was so cute. <laughs> I was That's just adorable. like, Christelle can hang. She's someone who you want to like go and get a cocktail with. Absolutely. I I love Christelle. I'm obsessed with her. Her idea of having the like coconut and pineapple inside and then like the lime jelly on the top, I think looked really cool with a little lime zest in the jelly. I guess the lime was a little bit too strong for, but it looked, it looked very cool. I thought it was very clever. Crystal had a very tropical, she had a very tropical episode. She had the key lime thing in the first round, and then now she's doing this pina colada thing over here. She did. did. I think she wants to go to the beach. Oh, yes. The other person that jumped out to me was George's, because he did a peanut, peanut and chocolate two-tier jacant, and... Classic flavor combo. Love, I love peanut butter so much. So I was like, this is the thing. Um, and then the fact that he, you know, went for it, went for the two-tier option, shows his go big or go home energy. I think that was very impressive to see. And they stood up. They didn't leak. Yeah. I mean, he did the damn thing. Yeah. Go George. Um, and unfortunately, didn't really go over well. I think mostly because he basically put like a layer of peanut brittle. Whole ass peanuts in the middle of a cake and it's like, uh, not exactly, not not quite. There were three people that remade their uh, sponges because they didn't turn out how they wanted them to. We had Freya redo hers because the imprimé didn't uh, stick. Also interesting, she did a square one, which like looked like a, it was very cute because she could pass it off as a stylistic choice even though it was the result of the fact that she's using, I think, aquafaba in place of eggs means that the, the sponge is not as flexible because it doesn't have those egg proteins. But I thought it was pretty impressive. I know she didn't get very high marks on it. Her chocolate, I think it was intended to be a mousse, ended up more like a ganache. Just issues with the ingredients she's using not behaving like normal baking ingredients. Yeah, and some of the flavors were a little strong. They said the orange was a little overpowering on hers. But I think strategically, it was a really smart decision of her to do this box shape. She knew her materials and she knew knew how to work around them. And it didn't seem like she was like cheating or, you know, taking, you know, the easy way out or something. She just did what she had to and it looked right, good. Right. 
Yeah, it was interesting that Paul like hedged a bit and was like, I've had some really good vegan cakes and this is not one of them. Just to say like, I know that vegan baking can be really good and this isn't it. Um, kind of tough to hear. Paul always coming in with the with the, <laughs> the thing that'll ruin your day. We have to talk about Jurgens. What a fucking nerd. A Tudor Dynasty themed cake, which featured a composition by Henry VIII on the outside of the collar. And he took the time to make sure that the music was actually right. Yeah. And even sung out the tune in his weird little... (laughs) (laughs) And mint and black pepper as ingredients. Yeah. I didn't know... I didn't know if those were, like, traditional, like, Tudor flavors, if that was something that they had going on, or if this was just, like, his, his mind working itself out in the flavor department. Yeah. I think it was, like, similar to his Passover pavlova, like, just trying to incorporate conceptually as much as he could to be, like, mint and peppers, two-door things. We're just going to put them in there so we, you know, can cite them in the references. Uh, Jürgen also admitted that he has made a jacon before, and he did, in fact, make a Star Trek jacon, I believe, for a friend's wedding, Mm -hmm. which... Which featured wow. two Starship Enterprises wow. kissing on the... And I was like, <laughs> I, this is cool, Jürgen, but like, please give us the Trekkie cake. That is what I want. Yeah. Really. Yeah, please. I, I need to see that. Um, also, I think the thing about the Enterprise is that there's only one of them, but we don't need to get into details about that. Right. No. Amanda chose Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, and her thing was a snake on an apple tree. In- interesting theming. I was a little over it. I saw, I I see how she was, like, she called it Adam's Temptation. So I can mm. see why, because there was a lot of Calvados in it. And so I see she was, like, trying to do the alcohol temptation kind of thing. But, yeah, I don't know. I was not intrigued at any level. Like, I thought the maple jelly could have been interesting. But mm-hmm. ultimately, it didn't come through, I don't think. And, like... It kind of leaked, and I think the leak sort of overpowered what else was going on. You know, theming choices aside, I think the actual imprint, the design that she had on the collar, it was, like, very clean, very crisp. You knew what it was Mm -hmm. looking away, but it didn't really wow in either direction. It was, it had good layers on the inside, but it was kind of messy. Chigs did, did very well. It looked so good. The little, I know they were bathroom tile was the inspiration for his uh, emprime. And I love the idea of like him sitting on the toilet in his sister house being like, hmm, I could make a cake out of this. Even if you didn't know it was bathroom tile, it just came across as very like cute art deco. Yeah, I could imagine this at like a swanky party or something. Mm-hmm. Very high class, rich, she-she people, you know, all standing around looking at the cake. And then it was Black Forest inside. We've talked about Black Forest. We don't love, and Prue also said that was not her favorite, but she said this was a damn good Black Forest. Yeah, so good for him. Lizzie, she did a Liverpool-themed cake with hazelnut chocolate pecan. She had a dark chocolate moonshine ganache. Mm. How saucy, Mm -hmm. how fun. Mm -hmm. And then she added the Liverpool skyline on on the exterior and had a little, like, Liverpool bin 
which I think was really cute. The little trash can. Yeah, this was like just for Paul, basically. She was like, I know one person in this tent is going to understand all of this. Visually, I thought it was very nice and like fairly neat for Lizzie. I think to, to do the nice city skyline was very cool to see and very detailed. Generally good showing, but I think there was like some texture issues, that kind of thing. But I really liked the design on the outside. I thought it was really cute. And then Giuseppe uh, tried to do a remake. Well, uh, a jaconde inspired by his dad's wedding cake. Yeah, red fruit and pistachio which seemed very cute. I loved the little shot of him putting putting the one pomegranate seed very precisely on the border. It shows Giuseppe's ability to have very classic flavors, very refined palate. He's not going to go cuckoo bananas on you. He's going to make something that is pretty, that tastes good, that is just all around solid, and you can't really pick it apart too much. Maggie had strawberries on strawberries on strawberries. Uh, with a strawberry collar mm-hmm. with little strawberries on it. Mm-hmm. Everything was pink. Paul gave her some light ribbing about remember to include flour. Remember to include flour. That was very um, uncle at a family gathering type yeah. thing. I mean, we can really see Paul in this instance trying his very best to appear like a human man who can socialize. He's putting on the affectation of somebody who would have a soul. Yeah. And... It just kind of comes off a a little stilted. Right. (laughs) A curious thing I noticed is like in the little uh, illustration brief they showed, then the title was Paris Skyline. I feel like probably there was a little bit of her pulling back initially. Like she had planned to do probably the Paris Skyline on as the Empreme and then decided to hedge and was just like, I don't know, we'll just pull it back and do strawberries instead. Which I think was a good uh, good choice for her because seeing her at the end, like it's pretty cool that she was able to go for four episodes. And I think she yeah. feels really good having made it this far in the competition. However, as we talked about like last week, it could have been her week last week. It could have been her week the week before even. And like when you see someone just scrape by for this long... It starts to really wear on on them. And I think for Maggie, she had pushed herself to the very limit of her skill. And then like her brain probably at this point was just like, yeah, you know, making making silly mistakes that she wouldn't otherwise make, like undercooking and having to restart the sponge and all this stuff. It's no comment on Maggie's skills as a baker. Mm -hmm. I think just not everybody is set up to do well on a reality competition television show. You know? Yeah. I'm sure in a more chill, relaxed environment, she has plenty of wisdom to give. I'm sure she knocks it out of the park all the time at home. It's just when the cameras are beating down on you and you have a weird bald man making strange jokes at you while you're trying to, like, do 15 elements at once. It's not always going to turn out as well. Right, right. Because we saw, I mean, I think the first episode she was so charming and, like, so funny and sweet. And then I think just the the intensity of the competition you saw that she yeah like realized that oh i can't really be myself here i've got to like batten down the hatches and and i think she was probably caught off guard quite a bit strawberry bake i mean it looked tasty i would have eaten it nice i love a strawberry ain't nothing wrong with a strawberry let me tell you the big issue is that her coolie which is just not quite a jam you know just like pureed strawberries that have been cooked down a little bit um, she had tried to count that as her second element in there 
And mm. Paul was like, I don't know if that's a second element. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was very simple. I don't know. I think at this point she just was like, only had brain space to do so much probably. Yeah. Yeah. She seemed a little tapped yeah. out. Overall, we love her. We, we send love. We send support to Maggie. We had quite a few of them do very well, I think, in this challenge. I think Giuseppe, Christelle, Chiggs, and Lizzie all did all did very well. Jurgen too. And I think it was again Amanda, Maggie, and Freya in the bottom. George too. Yeah, it, it really felt like it came down to between Maggie and Freya was who they were picking, which I was a little surprised by. I didn't know that Freya did that poorly. Ultimately, um, Chiggs pulled it out. Did amazing job this week and ended up with the star baker. What a great week for Chiggs. And Paul mentioned that he'd only been baking for 12 months and he's already this good. Like, yeah. amazing. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. What a, what a stud. Yeah. yeah. And we said goodbye to the lovely Maggie. <sighs> goodbye, Maggie. I'm very sad about that. It was her time. It was her time. Yep. Yep. Um, she held on just about as long as she could and she gave us quite a few good Bakes as well as good, good moments. So let's ride. Bitches know they can't catch me. into eating <laughs> well yeah i i guess so. i've done it once or twice what's eating at you i kind of had an odd weekend so it it spirals and i didn't do my whole like grocery thing so i haven't mm-hmm. been cooking as much mm-hmm. uh but i will say what i have been eating instead are mint chocolate milano cookies from pepperidge farm you can't see it but i'm not <laughs> <laughs> The the mint ones in particular really have something special going on over here. And something about the, the like paper packaging makes them f- yeah. seem so fancy. They're cute and they're fun and they're tasty and they're good. Yeah. <laughs> Keeping it very simple. Yeah, very nice. Uh, what about you, Gabe? I'm just getting over a little bit of a cold. So my appetite has been um a little weird mm. as happens because nothing tastes super great. But before the cold, I made, I know... I'm a broken record, but I made a very lovely kabocha squash soup. Oh, you and that kabocha squash. I know, I know, I know. You should get married, jeez. But the thing I wanna I wanna talk about is that I started by caramelizing onions. <gasps> oh. Chopped up two two red onions into slices and just like let them simmer away until all the water was gone and then let them kind of get a little brown and sticky and Wow. That I wow. think really like love squash, but like Adding caramelized onions to things really just brings that savory umami Ugh, flavor. There's nothing like it. Yeah. And it's very, it's I think, so also rich. very, like, fall appropriate. You know, I love a caramelized onion. It does take six million years, approximately, to make them. When I first started doing it, it took a long time. But I think once you get used to the process, like, you can cook them on pretty high heat in the beginning, like, not high enough to brown them, but, like, just to get all the water out of them in the first few minutes, you can put them on yeah. a higher, like, medium-high heat. And then, just as soon as they start to brown, I guess, similar to doing caramel, um, you just turn your heat out, down and make sure you're stirring them. Oh, good tip. Yeah. Next week, 
is German Week. You want to talk about the producers uh, tipping the scales? I was like, as if, excuse me, <laughs> sir, like, sir, please. Yeah. I mean, come on. As if, as if you're going to need any help, you know? Right. Can it be vegan week? Yeah. Let's do a How vegan that, week. Huh? Liverpool week. Liverpool week. Scouser week. <laughs> That'd be great. Um, Scouser week. Yeah. Or like they've done like Victorian baking before. That was so mm-hmm. cool to watch. I mean, any of these things could happen in the future, but I was just like, come on. Like, we already had Italian week, which is bread week, basically. Yeah. Well, that's the episode. We'll talk to you next week. That's the episode. All right. Talk to you next week. And bye. Yay. Bye. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Ladyfingers podcast. This week's episode was edited by me and included music by Tom Howe, Disclosure, Sylvan Esso, and Charlie XCX. Our cover art is by the fantabulous Alessandra Ragusa. You can find Cole on Twitter and TikTok at Cole Stephenson with an S-E-N, and I'm on Twitter at Yay Purple Cheese. We'll talk to you next week.